It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Together. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. As we anticipate spring's arrival, I thought it would be fun to flirt with nature and the idea of cannabis in this year's garden. I think for many of us, starting out on a new project or endeavor can be daunting, especially for a newbie. That's how I feel right now getting the sales and production wheels in motion for MJ Skin. There are so many moving parts and people involved, and in the beginning, things have to be done in a certain order. So there's so much hurry up and wait a minute happening, and there are the things that I know to think about and plan for and execute on, but there's also those invaluable lessons I keep learning simply by getting out there and taking my licks doing the work. I'm learning that entrepreneurship, relationships, and gardening are a lot alike. And I'm delighted to discuss them with Penny Barthel, a Bay Area cannabis horticulturist and author celebrating the release of her new book, The Cannabis Gardener. Penny guides us through envisioning cannabis in our springtime garden setup and the practical steps to get her growing. Penny also shares great tips for choosing the right seeds for both you and your garden climate. We also talk about the wellness perks of gardening your own cannabis and the sacred bond between gardeners and the food and medicine they grow and share. Today's podcast is lit by White Ash Group. If you want to take casual cannabis gardening to the next level, perhaps you're ready for a career in cannabis cultivation. Submit your resume at whiteashgroup.com. White Ash Group is North America's premier choice for cannabis staffing, recruitment, and executive search. 
And if you're an industry trailblazer with a growing business, lean on White Ash Group to provide pre-screened and vetted, top-tier talent and custom hiring solutions so you can feel good building your dream team and work-life balance. From roots to suits in the U.S. and Canada, visit whiteashgroup.com to learn more. Tell them Joe sent you. If it hadn't occurred to you to grow your own herb this year, I think you're going to be inspired today. And if you're in the planning and preparation stages of your garden already, this podcast is certainly for you. So smoke them if you got them and daydream about your very own medicinal garden. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar gun. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just all right, Penny Barthel, we are live on the Casually Baked YouTube channel. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the podcast. Oh, I am happy to be here. Meet a new friend, hear a familiar voice, but put a face to it. Wonderful. Yeah, that's so fun. I love that you listen to the podcast. And I can't believe that we're really neighbors. We're just up the road from each other. Yes. Yes. And after the pandemic is lifted and all of us have a bit more freedom, I say we get together and go for a walk and, and uh, continue the discussion. Yes, we'll have a phase two podcast in your um, cannabis garden. How about Ooh, that? Yes, for sure. So Penny is a certified cannabis horticulturist. She is an author, a nutritionist, a recipe developer. And we're here to talk about parts of her new book, The Cannabis Gardener, which is now available for purchase anywhere books are sold. And, uh, you know, we were talking in the green room about the majority of the country right now being under these crazy winter advisories and ice storms and snowstorms and how you were just talking about going out and picking a lemon off or an orange off of your tree. So, <laughs> you know, we all don't have the same luxuries as we have right here in the Bay Area with weather. And so I'm curious... You know, what are these cannabis gardeners or these home gardeners who are sitting at home in the middle of winter? What are these things that they should be doing right now, prepping or planning for their springtime garden? Oh, what a great question. And, you know, we do live in the most mild of winter places in the lower 48. But still, it's not the right time to plant cannabis here. I'm still in the dream stage because cannabis doesn't, you don't want to plant it here even until mid-spring. So no matter where you are, whether you're in Hawaii or whether you're in Maine, Texas, where our heart goes out to you right now, all through the Midwest, there's the most important thing you can do is ask yourself this question. So a year from now, I'm going to be sitting in the same living room what kind of weed do I want to have available to me? You start there. <laughs> what do I want to feel? What kind of impact do I want? And so then you're like, huh, do I want to have some fun? Do I want to sleep better? Do I want, you know, pain relief? Do I want to show off to my friends and grow like the greatest, biggest nug you've ever seen? That's where you start. And then you start looking for seeds to buy and you start thinking that. So this is for all gardeners, whether it's cannabis or tomatoes or flowers, this is the time when you get your seed catalog online or in print and you just start dreaming. That's what this time is. That's fun. I like thinking about that. 
Yeah. And I do love the idea of a backyard medicinal garden. And so oh. making space for herbs and roots and flowers and vegetables that, you know, they feed our bodies, but they also create this beautiful, harmonious ecosystem out in the garden. So will you talk a little bit about that? You know, we're talking about cannabis, but what about all these companion crops that really make up a beautiful garden? Oh, I think that's an essential thing to reclaim. And I want to specifically start with what is a garden, right? A garden as opposed to a grow room or a farm, because these are all places where cannabis can grow. But we mostly don't think of cannabis in a casual garden, a vegetable garden, uh, an herb garden, just your backyard. Or even if you don't have a garden or your own land, if you've got a, a sunny patio, you can grow it pretty easily there too. But we have to, first of all, put it there in our minds and our hearts because we, we tend not to want to do that. And there's good reasons why we don't. It's still federally illegal, which I hope will change soon. We've mostly gotten our weed from indoor growers or from cannabis farmers who are dedicated to this one crop. But when you move that plant into the gardening world, it changes our relationship with the plant. And so once you decide, yeah, this is a cool, like, garden herb. This is something that would grow next to marigolds or in my, my neck of the world, lemon verbena, right? That's a, a sort of a tender plant, but it is fabulous to make a tisane with it where you put some cannabis leaves and some lemon verbena. But mint, uh, you could grow it next to big, beautiful tropical flowers like cleome or um, hollyhocks. There are other stately flowers that will just be like They'll go on a date with your cannabis and think they're the most beautiful couple in the entire world. So it belongs in the garden. It belongs with sunshine. Um, but it is kind of a big, big plant at the end of the season, kind of like a giant sunflower, but fat. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I have friends that when they come over or when they used to come over, they <laughs> would bring me flower from their gardens. And you could really, really tell in the terpene profile what their garden mate had been. Like one friend, she had planted one of her cannabis plants by roses, and it had such a beautiful nose on it. And I just thought, how fun is it to have the space to be able to really imagine what you would want your cannabis to, you know, look and smell and taste like and, and be empowered to have some input into what that final product would be. Oh, absolutely. And here's just a little hot tip. When I was at um, Oaksterdam, that's where I went to cannabis school, one of my teachers was describing the difference between indoor grown and outdoor grown cannabis because there, I think there is a uh, a lingering bias in the commercial cannabis world that indoor grown flower is somehow superior. It has, it's better for a number of reasons. He countered that and suggested that one of the things that was so cool about cannabis grown in full sun is that it had a fuller terpene profile. And that makes sense. Sunlight is full spectrum light. There's also other things out there that are uh, stimulating your plant. From the plant's perspective, they're bothering it. And so it's responding by making more of these wonderful biochemical agents, the terpenoids, the cannabinoids, to protect itself. Well, we think that's why the plant is making these things. But for whatever reason, you take it off the sun and all of a sudden it's just this beautiful, full experience. And when you plant like other things next to it, 
the plants are mingling in their root base and they're constantly communicating with each other, oftentimes through the mediation of soil fungus. So they're literally connected through soil fungus in the soil. And you gotta wonder that that complexity is informing what's gonna end up in your flower, right? Yes, absolutely. And you mentioned, um, is it Tizan, Tisan? Is that how you pronounce it? You know what? Let's, it's Tisan is that just means um, an herbal infusion of a leaf that's not tea. By that, I mean like, you know, black tea, green tea. Yes. So we could just call it herbal tea. Same thing. Right. And so my first experience with that was, or a knowing experience of that, was being at a coffee shop in Amsterdam where you have your smoke, but, you know, there's no alcohol allowed. And so I had fresh mint with oh. hot water. And I just thought, okay, how simple is this? And it's the most delicious thing ever. And so oh, there's yes. the simplicity of having a garden and being able to take these leaves and immediately turn them into medicine, I think is just magical. Oh, it is. It's magic for your body and it's magic for the senses. I have a really small garden. So uh, I grow a lot of plants and I can in part because I live in an area that allows me to grow things throughout the year. So I have that little advantage. But then just knowing and being intentional about what I plant, you can grow so much, especially herbs in the tiny little area. And I got to say my favorite is both mint. I got several kinds of mint in my garden. I grow lavender here. I have some beautiful lavender that's blooming. And I have lemon verbena, my three favorite herbs to throw in with fresh or dried cannabis. I save the little sugar leaves. They use them fresh. Sometimes I freeze them. So I preserve that terpene profile right like it's in the garden or all throughout the spring and summer. I just pick little leaves off, throw them in my pot. Um, and it's just delicious. I call it terp tea because it, you lose the minute you, you, you know, you pick flour and you start to dry it. The lighter terpenoids are the first to go. That's why it's so smelly when you're drying it. They're being lifted. They're evaporating from the mm -hmm. surface of the plant. But boy, there's some, that's something you can't buy. You have to go grow your own leaves. And it's just not that that difficult to do, but you have to, you have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. It takes effort. You mentioned the freezing of the leaves. So if yeah. we want to do that to create a longer shelf life, what's the best way to do that? It's really simple. You would take uh, pick whatever it is you want to freeze. It could be tiny little budlets that are just too small to you want to thin your plant out, I often freeze those. Um, small leaves that are healthy. And all I do is take a, a cookie sheet with or without a piece of parchment, put them on a single layer, throw them in my freezer until they're frozen, put them in an airtight glass container. And glass is important because it doesn't allow the terpenes to migrate through. Certain plastics will allow terpenes to go through. So hot tip, don't use baggies from the store. Okay. Use glass or specific bags for cannabis. And then you just put them in your freezer. Pull them out, put them in your, your teapot or your teacup, pour boiling water in them. They're great. If you have a huge freezer and you'd like to do ice hash at a later time, that is available to the home gardener. And one of the ways of getting quality sauce or ice hash is to freeze fresh flour and then you process it later when you got time and when it's colder. So that's yes. also another thing you can do. Totally. The thing that I appreciate about your book is you go in very 
detailed, like this comes first, then this, like this is kind of our full thought process. And when you get to the very end, you have all these great recipes for people who not only might want to make their own oils, but also their own salves, topicals, tinctures. And, you know, Mm. it brings everything together. So we don't have to go into a lot of the details about all that because people can purchase the Cannabis Gardener, which, by the way, the photography in that is absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you. And I was I'm just going to give a shout out to the photographer. Her name is Erin Scott. She cut her teeth and she's a phenomenal food photographer. And she and her um, team decided to dip their toe into the cannabis photography. And I think she is phenomenal. She was wonderful to work with. Nice. I love that. So, okay. So we're prepping, it's winter time. We're prepping for our springtime planning. Um, You know, one of the things you touch on in the book is these things are going to be a little bit different for people based on where they live, what their growing season and cycle is like. What is an online resource for somebody to go hunt down what that is for them? Oh, that's a great thing. So let's talk about your climate. First of all, cannabis is an annual. So that's for everybody. It's not like um, you can plant it and it'll just stay in your garden forever. No, it lives, grows, and dies in much less than a year, six months in some places. It actually does best in a temperate climate. So not the tropics. We think of it being sort of tropical. It's not. It loves it in a huge swath of uh, below and above the equator. Um, So you're not behind, first of all. It's winter and that's okay. All cannabis wants to be a seed right now. It's just sleeping. So no one's behind. Once you figure out, yeah, I want to grow cannabis, know know this. You can probably grow it. Unless you're in Antarctica, I'm going to just go out and say it. You can grow cannabis. I don't have a strong listener hold in Antarctica, (laughs) so we're cool. (laughs) Yeah, you have a couple of Russian scientists a little disappointed right now. Well, that's okay. So knowing that, though, um, there are a couple of things that you got to keep in mind about your climate. First of all, I'm going to ask, what's your legal climate? Uh, I advocate being able to grow legally. If not, we're working on it. Check out normal. Let's make it legal. Let's assume that you can grow. Okay. Um, I advocate growing outside for a number of reasons. It's where all plants need to be. They eat sunshine. They make their own food. So outside. Where outside, here's the chief determiner. Do you have six hours of direct sun per day throughout the growing season? More is better. Cannabis are huge plants. They, they eat a lot. So that means they need full sun. So that's a key thing. And then, of course, we'll get to soil later. The key thing is, though, if our, where do you live? Are you living in a, where it's a super hot climate in the summer, uh, like Sacramento, Um, a lot of part of the West has really hot summers. That's going to help you to choose a cannabis that has more perhaps sativa origins or a tropical climate origin because it's going to be more resistant to heat. Let's say you live in a place that has gorgeous growing weather, but it's really got a short growing season. Parts of Canada, even Southwest Alaska or mountain states, I might suggest something called an autoflower for you. And for the rest of the country, most cannabis will do fine. Yeah. And, you know, autoflowers, I had first seen that whenever I was in the Netherlands. And they have definitely become a hot conversation with newbie gardeners and people that are doing this stuff at home. So autoflowers are a great choice for people who, like you said, have shorter daylight growing cycles, but then also somebody who wants to kind of set it and forget it almost. 
Yes, autoflowers are uh, nice plants in that they set they start blooming in the fall, not based upon what's happening with the light. That's called a photoperiod plant, but they just start blooming after a certain number of weeks. Ironically, that is a plant that does super well in both Juneau, Alaska and Honolulu, Hawaii. And you're like, well, what? Hawaii? What's there? Well, Hawaii is a cool climate. We love it. It's just warm. But the problem is it doesn't have a lot of variation. So cannabis plants that start growing there aren't triggered to start flowering with much robustness. They tend to sort of just kind of keep growing and they flower, but they're not so enthusiastic about it because frankly, they don't feel like they're going to die anytime soon. Yeah, they're not in any rush. But yeah. why? The, the weather's fabulous. I'm not going to bloom. Well, okay, cannabis, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's a so good that, point. So that's what it's good for. One thing too, how hot, how moist is your summer? So one of the common problems with cannabis is powdery mildew. And if you're in Maine or even in a foggy climate, like here in the Bay Area, uh, powdery mildew can be an issue. So having a plant that has more indica genes can be helpful there. They tend to be more powdery mildew resistant. Um, but whatever it is you do, there are some fabulous resources for finding good genetics. And that means good breeding. I really love Humboldt Seed Company, if it's okay to say that brand. Absolutely. Um, I'm a fan of Humboldt Seed Company myself. Yeah, they have just a nice quality seeds. They have clear genetic lineage. It's a strong breeding program. And they have a wonderful website that will um, just help guide you toward finding both the cannabinoids that you're looking for and how long the growth season is. So if you've got a long season, like days to maturity, um, that's a signal for those of us in a luxurious, long-growing season, good to go. Uh, if you are in a marginal climate, you might go for a shorter number of days to maturity, and that'll help you choose a plant that's going to be good for your climate. The USDA has zones. That's a good thing to look at. Um, out here in the West, because we have such sort of unusual weather patterns, there's the Sunset Western Garden Guide that's real helpful for finding that little microclimate uh, where cannabis can thrive the best. Awesome. And, you know, the other thing I'll add about Humboldt Seed Company is that you can get feminized seeds and feel good about it and, you know, not have to do all of that guesswork on your own, especially if you're a newbie. So yes. let's talk a little bit about seeds versus clones for the backyard gardener. When are oh, yeah. seeds the best choice and when are clones the best choice? Okay. That is, that is one of the chief questions. I think it's important to understand that Seedlings and clones. And by the way, these are some seedlings. Nice. You I brought to, show I and tell. I love it. Here they are. Hello. I'm getting, I rescued these actually from a friend's garden who had some growing sort of feral in her yard. I needed them for an <laughs> upcoming video that I'll be shooting. It's still a little early for me to crack seeds. So let's talk about seeds versus clones. Cannabis are annuals. So that means that plant grows from a seed and to the end of its life in less than a year. Um, and yet, most many of us are accustomed to growing from clones. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what the difference between those two things are. A seedling is, I think, pretty self-evident. It is its own unique little tiny plant. You put it in the soil, the root comes out, the little branch comes up, the little halves of the seed open up, they turn into these things called cotyledons, and then you get a brand new plant. It is genetically unique. No other plant exactly like it in the world. So... A clone, however, is not that. A clone is essentially a rooted cutting. That means you've got this mother plant 
It's beautiful. It's healthy. We like it. It's got good genetics. So we take a snip off the little branch tip. That branch tip gets in soil. It starts rooting. And so it starts growing again. But it is not a unique plant. It will never have the robust root system of a unique plant. And although it's in a vegetative state, it's still sexually mature. And so it has some pros and cons. Seedling, I'm going to just say if you've got access to actual good garden soil, you're going to have a hugely more robust plant. It's going to be more forgiving uh, in terms of having light or temperature dips. A seedling is tougher uh, and more resilient. You do have the variability of genetics, however, so that's that. And for garland seedings, cannabis plants are sexed. They're boys or girls with a couple of rare exceptions, but for the large part, they're male and female. And as we all know, we want to end up with unfertilized female flowers at the end of the season because we're growing that big, beautiful, not seedy flower bud. So for that reason, uh, you can either grow regular seed and then figure out if they're boys or girls and deal with that appropriately through two different ways. Um, or you can get a clone, put that in, you know it's going to be um, female, or you can get feminized seeds. And that means that they have grown the plants and fertilized them in such a way that you're going to get really good genetics, but you are assured that most of those, nearly all of the seeds are female. I personally, I advise my home growers to grow from feminized seeds. I think that is frankly the easiest thing to do. It's easier than clones. Clones can seem easier, but I think that seedlings, because they're so forgiving and tough and resilient and they're ready to grow, a feminized seed is just the best and easiest way to grow. So if you buy seeds and say you only plant half of the pack that you have, what is the best way to store those seeds for the next season? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. You want to store them in dark and in cool or cold. So if you get a pack, because seeds can be expensive, or I have some seeds that I was able to breed out this year, and I want to keep some for next year. I'll plant some. The other half I'm going to put in a little container, make sure, of course, that I've labeled them, and I'm going to put them in my freezer. And that will help to keep them as dormant as possible so that they're fresh and ready to go for the next year. Cannabis seeds can last for a while, but they're probably best sprouted within the first one or two years. Okay, good information. And also, is this in a glass container like everything else? So that's less important for okay. seeds. I put mine in little, little aluminum containers just because they're, they're small and contained, and I have them. Okay, all right, good info. So I know having the right tools for any job matters. Like a really good chef's knife can completely change your kitchen game. So what are your favorite gardening tools that help you enjoy the experience? Oh, yes. Okay. Because I love to cook. My chef knife is my chef knife. So the chef knife of the gardening toolkit is a spade, not a shovel, a spade. I get mine at Ace Hardware. They're not expensive. And the reason for that is because it's got a nice blunt cutting uh, edge uh, D-ring spade, I can just get in there and really turn my soil because soil is hugely important. It is where your cannabis gets its micronutrients. It makes relationships with the fungus and the other plants. So my spade um, is the number one tool. Honestly, that's the only tool. If you bought one tool, you can get away with doing all your cannabis gardening with a spade. Second would have to be my Felco pruners, these little pruners because you'll be doing a lot of clipping at the end of the season. 
All right. You were just talking about the soil. So I want to go to in chapter three of your book, you discuss the four vital elements of cannabis gardening. You say sun, soil, airflow, and water. So if you could go through those four things and give us like our high level takeaways, that'd be rad. Absolutely. Okay. Cannabis, like all plants, in order to grow, it needs water, it needs food, it needs certain nutrients. And then it needs to have carbon dioxide. It's the plant's oxygen. It takes in carbon dioxide and leaves us with oxygen. Let's talk about sun first. We touched on that. Full sun. And so that means not dappled shade, not like the half half shade, half not. Um, so full sun means six hours or more. I'd say eight is best as a minimum of full direct sun every single day during the growing season. That's, that's what I mean by sun. Soil, you want to have a nice fertile mix. What does that mean? For a gardener who's never gardened before, how do you know what your soil is like? Well, I go through some details in the book, uh, but it should smell sweet and good. You should be able to get a nice handful of it, smash it in your hand. It'll hold together, but it won't form like a paste, like, like clay. So if you're in doubt, add compost. Compost is just a uh, material that's really rich in biologicals. You can also add a little bit of uh, soil microbes that are often sold uh, in gardening stores. So that's soil. And yeah. I think too for soil, you know, just if you're going to be a gardener, you should be composting, period. It's yes. just part of the game. It's part of the cycle. And so yeah. do you have for people that are maybe in smaller spaces, what are some of the ways that we can compost efficiently without having dogs and critters and shit everywhere? Yeah, <laughs> and space, especially if you I have a I have a really little garden and it's it's pretty um, optimized for its space. So I do tend to go to my local um, place to get their homemade compost. So the, I outsource that. If you had a little bit more space, you, it, compost is like, garden gold and it's free all you need is essentially a pile and compost happens right it's just going to happen naturally there are little contraptions you can get that are lots of instructions for that online or in um, garden stores can help you out with that so compost is number one if you are a curious person though and you want to make good use of your food scraps you can't do better than worm composting so you ever heard of that Yes, but talk about that a little bit. You do. Worm composting is, it's super cool. It's, you create a little home, a little community for worms. Oftentimes they're called red wrigglers. And uh, then you have another bin below it. Well, your worms get in there and they make their little house together and they squirm around and they eat your food and then they excrete uh, worm castings. That's the polite word for it. It's worm poo. And it is... (laughs) amazingly rich in wonderful microbes that are so good for your plant. Um, From that, you can just use it like a very rich fertilizer. Um, One of the most popular things to do with worm compost juices is to make um, compost tea. It's kind of like kombucha, but for plants. It's a very kind of a similar process. That is a really good way of saying it. So, you, you know, you can spray that on your plant. And it's, and that's the, that's a nice thing for a very compact garden. You could do that honestly on a patio. It's just a couple of like plastic bins that stack and then you can use it. And I think that's such a fun thing for people who have children, families, you know, it's a great fun experiment to do with the kids, get them involved playing in the worms and 
just playing in the garden together. That's one of the, my favorite things about Joanna Silver's Instagram oh. is seeing her and her son interacting out in the garden. It's the cutest thing ever. Oh, I love it. It's fun for me to see Jojo and or Joanna and uh, Simon doing that because I did that with my son years and years ago. And it's great. He really values food and plants and he's a musician. And, you know, it's nice to sort of see all that that nurturing, because you know what, when you're out in your garden, you're growing plants that I would suggest that you yourself are growing when you're in the garden. I think it's deeply important for our souls, for our psyches to get out there in nature, especially during the pandemic when we're cut off from each other socially. It's not how humans are meant to live. And there's something about being with plants that is just at a really deep level, nurturing to to ourselves. So it's a mutual, I think it's a relationship. I say that I like to step out and go have conversations with my plant friends in my garden. You know, they're, it's a little woohoo, but you go out there and you touch them and you see what's growing and you smell the rosemary leaves or whatever it is. Even I know it's winter, but if you can go up and look at the beautiful branch structure of a lo local tree, smell that snow, it, it's amazing. Um, yeah. And soil, soil is a key part of that. Uh, Water, water. Let's talk about water. Okay. So out here in the West, it is dry, dry, dry in the summer. So east of the Rockies, it is wet in the summer. So cannabis grows during the growing season, spring through fall. Um, so here we in the West, we do need to make sure they get adequate water. They're not water hungry, but when they're actively growing, they do need um, consistent watering. Uh, that's that's an important thing. Um, they're pretty tough plants, especially, and this is where uh, seed-grown plants versus clones will really make themselves known out here in the dry west. Those seedlings just put these deep roots down, and they just find whatever soil they need. Clones just aren't able to do that as well because they don't have a taproot. They are a rooted cutting. So they are seedlings tend to be more resistant to drought. On the east coast, you just got to make sure, or in the wet areas in the summer, Make sure your plants have adequate drainage. You never want cannabis roots to be sitting in stagnant water. So for you, I might recommend a raised bed if you're not sure of your drainage. So consistent water, moist, seedlings are tough. They're going to live through crises. And I'm, yeah. And well, and I'm asking this question because, you know, I try to idiot proof things. So are there certain times of day when it's best to water or a certain style of watering that makes the most sense? Oh, that's a great question. I do cover this in the book. Okay. Um, and this is good basic gardening information. So this is pertinent to all plants, not just cannabis. And you want to remember what you're watering. You're watering the soil because that's where plants take up the moisture. Um, I tend to keep my leaves dry. So uh, soaker hose, I water with a hose and just a nice gentle sprayer um, because I have a small garden. If you have a watering system set up, make sure that it's one that's set to soak the soil, not spray the the whole yard. Uh, that that tends to be appropriate for lawns, but little else. And so I would recommend uh, soaker hose, especially ones made with chemically safe products. Mm, yes. So that's that's an important distinction. Uh, hand watering personally is my favorite way to do it. And uh, the reason why is that it gets me out there. It gets me up close to my plant. And one of the best ways of keeping your garden healthy is you noticing what's going on. 
you are the best compost for your plant because you're going to get in there and, and notice things. Oh, look at that. What's this? Is that an aphid? Well, I can handle that. Do I see powdery mildew? Well, I know what to do with that. And then yeah. you, you can take care of things before they become problems. Yes. When you said that, it made me think of something Tina Gordon from Moon Maid Farms told me a few years ago. She's like, you know, when you walk through your garden, don't have your music playing. Just be quiet, be still, look, pay attention, and notice what's not like everything else. Yeah. You know, just look for the differences, the nuances. And, you know, she's like, something's wrong here. And, you know, we look and sure enough, like some gopher or something had disturbed the root system on that one particular plant. And so it's noticing what's happening, but also maybe noticing what's not happening or what's happening a little different than everywhere else. Hugely important. It's a relationship. And so for those who've never like gardened before, I think after a year maybe just shorter than that, you're going to walk into your garden and be able to read the room like you would go into a social setting. And you're like, oh, I've, oh, yeah, you're feeling, you know, your friends, I, he looks a little down. Oh, she's looking really chatty. I'm going to go talk to her. It's going to do that. Your plants are going to become like a presence for you. And it's cool because you get to notice, oh, is that the first blossom? What could that be? And then you pick it off and taste it or whatever. It's, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. So when did you first try your hand at cannabis gardening? Oh, when did I? It was several years ago, five, six now. And it was um, an odyssey of learning. A friend had just put in a beautiful garden close by, had veggie raised beds. And she also had a friend who has since passed, but he had stage four cancer. He didn't have his own space to grow. And uh, she thought, well, I could grow some weed. It's you know almost legal here in California. And so let's try. But she didn't know what to do or where to start. And um, I was sort of uh, curious about this. I was an experienced gardener. So I took it upon myself to figure it out. I'm like, well, it's a plant. How hard or mysterious could it be? And it was a phenomenal learning journey, figuring out where to get plants, what a seed is, how strong it is, all of the things. And it was actually her question about how to start growing that motivated me to write my book because there weren't a lot of resources available out there for a cannabis gardener. The resources were for cannabis growers, and that is a different mindset. One is a crop, one is a, a friend, you and your garden. So I started, and uh, our first season was terrible. It was really awful. <laughs> we got... <laughs> clones one of them broke off we did not give you know we didn't give them exactly what they needed but guess what they're tough they grew um and then i was hooked it's like i had just gotten on this cannabis train and i was on it i was just on it for the long haul um the next year it was actually joanna who gave me a little tiny seedling and i also bought a clone well planted them both too early didn't give them what they needed, but guess what? The clone turned brown and died, whereas this little baby seedling just thrived. Uh, it was the most beautiful plant. It's, I think there's actually a photo of it in the book. And I, I fell in love. Honestly, that's what it felt like. It's like, what is this? Because it was so interesting, this new plant. Um, by the way, there are almost no plants that are gendered and annual. And it was very, I was curious about that. So why would it do that? It was a very interesting sort of thing. So it just caught my intellect. 
it also caught my, my senses because it was so smelled so fresh and good. And I just couldn't stop talking about it. And then at the end of the season, I got this fabulous medicine that made me feel better. So I'm like, okay, so who, everyone has to grow this now. So it was this, this enthusiastic uh, attraction to this plant. And I found that a lot of my friends did too, and they just didn't know where to start. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that is so rewarding about, you know, gardening in general is you go outside and you see a pepper or an eggplant or the tomatoes growing and you're so excited to have it and share it with people. And to me, cannabis is that on an 11. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, this is the, you know, this is the plant that goes to 11. I Yes, for sure. And the sharing that goes along with that. People trade seeds, they trade methods of growing. I've had friends who love to grow. My friend Nevin, uh, who's also my compost tea guru, by the way, he's got a worm compost bin. So he gives me compost tea, you know, we trade. As you should, he, yes. He loves to grow, but doesn't really want to make stuff with it. So I remember what got me making sabs, which is one of my favorite things, is Nevin brought over this huge half gallon jars of weed. And said, well, here's some weed I grew. I'm like, well, cool. I'll see what I can make with it. And that got me on the road of concentrating it and putting it in salves. And it is one of my go-to favorite products. Now, I just call it magic salve because it seems to just take care of a lot of skin issues. So, you know, that trade, that community, um, cannabis connects us. I, it just connects us to each other in a way that I think is amazing. Yes, I love it. I was going to ask you what your favorite part of cannabis gardening is, but I feel like you just answered that. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be the connections. I'll say the one little like uh, special thing that you can only get by growing your own cannabis is being able to go out there and, and enjoy it throughout the entire growing season. After it gets a little bit of bulk on it, you can go and pick off little leaves and put them in a smoothie. You can shift and odd them and put them on a salad. I learned that trick from a friend of mine who is a nurse. She's a cannabis nurse. Her name is Nurse Susan. She's got a fabulous app that helps to decode, well, here's my symptoms and what cannabis might help me. And she likes to take her new little cannabis leaves, shift and odd them and put them on a salad like an herb. And I grew some uh, Willie G's Lebanese this past year. And I tried it and it was delicious. And then it also like, wow, I, I, I feel better. That was nice. Even just the leaves, there's enough in there. So that's, that's something you can't really do unless you grow your own plant through the season. I'd say start there. Yes. And the, the actual taste of the leaves in a smoothie or, you know, those flowers in a smoothie, that packs an even bigger punch than the leaves. But just that herbaceous flavor is really, really nice in a smoothie. Yes, it is. And it's, you know, what's, what's often not found in dried flour is those lighter terpenes, the lemon scents and the, the sort of the sharp, fresh scents, um, because they're just really volatile. They, they are the first to go when you dry them. So you're so right. You can really add. And then because I'm a, I, I love cooking and oftentimes with stuff in my garden, um, cooking with cannabis has been a really fun thing to try. I've just started on that journey. So nice. Well, we will definitely get back together and have a part two where we're talking about, okay, we've got our plants in the ground. They're flowering. Like, what are the things we're looking at, thinking about? What are we making with this right now? But for today, is there anything that we didn't talk about in the planning and preparation stages? 
Oh, great question. I was just had one thought and that's this. Once you figure out what it is you want, I, you know that question I started at the beginning with, what do you want from your cannabis other than joy? I'll just say, let's just start there. Um, thank you. How do you translate that into what variety to grow? Look deep into your uh, cannabinoid levels and Humboldt Seeds has some great resources for how to decode that. Uh, Leafly.com also has a nice, um, some resources for how to decode what you want from what you can find in a seed, and then you can go buy some seeds. So that's your assignment. Go get some good seeds. Yes. Reverse engineer how you want to feel in the fall. <laughs> Start working on that in the winter. I like it. Exactly. And I'll be sure to include um, in the podcast show notes some of the links to Humboldt Seed Company and other people that carry their seeds that you can get a casually baked discount on. Because, yeah, cannabis seeds are a little higher than than your average tomato seeds. <laughs> they are. They are. Well, Penny, thank you so much for joining me today. And my sisters and my family in Texas, I messaged them this morning and I'm like, do you have any gardening questions for me? They're like, <laughs> we don't have running water or electricity. We don't have time for this, Joanna. <laughs> It's true. We're a little preoccupied with survival right now. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm going to look over here in the in the notes. Peter has sent us a couple of messages. He said, I've been a smoker for over 20 years. Last year, I decided to grow, planted some indoors under LED grow lamps and some outdoors, outdoor one by far. Oh, nice. Thanks for that. Yes. With your grow. Yeah. He's growing in the UK, so he definitely is dealing with the, the shorter sunlight situation, right? Yes. And you know what? Let me just say this. Out of a great deal of compassion, there are some communities that have legalized it for adult use, um, but they still prohibit outdoor growing for a number of reasons. There are a lot of interesting, tricky political things. So uh, blessings to you if you really do have to grow inside, no judgment. We will hopefully be able to daylight this plant around the world. But until then, you just keep growing as you can. Yes. And so somebody who says that, um, like he says, I've not had a plant that's grown in less than four to five months, though. So that's definitely the auto flowering would be the answer there, right? Agreed. Yeah. Look, and the auto flower genetics are rapidly improving. So you can find some excellent quality flower on plants that are going to be reliably able to flower by the end of your growing season, especially if you're in the northern UK. Is the book available online or UK? Great you question. And yes, it is. It is through 10 Speed Press. Uh, Random House uh, is distributing it. And I do know that it's available in the UK and Canada and Australia. And it is available in electronic version. The Cannabis Gardener will take you through what you need to know to grow excellent quality cannabis in the garden. But also I uh, have co-founded a business called uh, Let's Sesh for the Canna Curious. You can find us at wonderingaboutweed.com. And we have some uh, recently created on-demand classes to help you with your cannabis questions and a soon-to-be-released grow series coming up. Very fun. Yeah, we'll include that in the show notes. Well, Penny, I really appreciate your time and I look forward to um, having you on the show again and having this in your actual backyard. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm delighted to have been here. And I just encourage everybody out there to, to just try your hand at growing. You can do it. It's fun. And it's not that hard. Yes, you can do it. Woohoo! To catch the podcast live streams, be sure to subscribe to Casually Baked on YouTube. 
And if this podcast planted some fun seeds for your springtime garden planning, I hope you'll pass it along to the cannabis lovers in your life. I'm telling you what, people, there is no time like the present to grow your own food and medicine in whatever modern garden space you can create. If you're like me and you don't have the space, make friends in your community and ask to help out in their garden. Or put your name on the wait list for your nearest community garden plot. And if you want to take an even closer look at craft cannabis gardening and farming, I want you to message me about booking your very own private or small group casually baked retreat. I'll be your host and cannabis lifestyle guide in the weed and wine country. I've been cooped up for way too long, people, and it is time to reconnect. So come hang out with me. Whether you want to take a deeper look at the California cannabis industry for professional reasons, or you're a creative looking for an inspiring change of scenery, or maybe you just want to have a good time and experience the cannabis culture of California, we'll post up at one of my favorite places in the wine country for a couple of days talking shop out in nature. We'll put our hands in the dirt, walk through rows of grapes and cannabis, visit a dispensary or two, taste some wine, eat delicious meals, and have an overall high time customized just for you. Email through the website to inquire about summer and fall dates and details. You can also DM me on social. I'm at Casually Baked on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yes, it's a high time. We had a high And if you're still listening, you have heard enough to properly rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, which, by the way, helps other canna-curious folks find this highly responsible cannabis content. So thank you in advance, my friend, for doing your part to Puff Puff Pass It On. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly, Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.